Today we're starting a new series here at Chalmers. We've just finished the series on money last week. We're starting a series on prayer this week. And we're going to be looking at the idea of hearing God in prayer. This is a series where the teaching has been some of the teaching that I have, have learned over the last kind of year, year and a bit. I went to a church in Steinbach, Manitoba, and they taught through some of this uh, hearing God. I've been doing a mentoring program for the last year on that. And what we are going to be talking about over the next number of weeks has been something that has revolutionized my own prayer life. And I was someone who had a pretty strong prayer life. But this has brought me even deeper, and, and so I want to encourage all of us to, to, to think through it. Some of the things we're going to be talking about may be very different than what you've learned in the past, depending on, on where you grew up, what kind of background you grew up with. And I wanted to say, you know, that's okay. I, it's okay to be challenged. It's okay to disagree. Uh, you may leave here going, you know what, Brian? I, I'm not sure that this type of prayer is what I want to be doing in my life, and that's fine. But always go back to Scripture. Always go back to scripture. And also, I just want to encourage you, if I can learn something new, uh, you can learn something new as well. And so we're going to be looking at prayer and how do we hear God in prayer. Now, not only are we going to be looking at, at kind of the theoretical learning here on Sunday morning, but we are going to also take Wednesday evenings, for those who are able to be part of it, Wednesday evenings here at church at 7.30 to do some of the application stuff and to kind of wrestle with this together. And I'll have some practical exercises for us to do on Wednesday night. We're not going to have uh, our regularly scheduled prayer night on Tuesday this week, but we are going to be doing Wednesday nights for the next uh, six weeks and we would love to, for you to be part of that. That way we are balancing both theoretical and application. I want to start by being really candid with you that when I became a Christian, I was discipled as a young Christian, and as I was discipled, I was taught that prayer is when we talk to God, and reading the Bible is when God talks to us. That that was how the conversation worked, that we read the Bible to hear from God, and we prayed to talk to God. And that's true, partly. Uh, God's word tells us in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is talking about, uh, about scripture, about God's word. And so it's absolutely true that we need to be in scripture, and we're going to be talking about that today a little bit more. But... As I've grown in my faith, I've recognized that there's more to our prayer life than that. It's more to following God than that. When I got a little bit older in life, I wanted to make specific decisions. I had to make specific decisions, and I wanted to do what God wanted. I wanted to be in God's will. I did more learning, and I asked pastors, and I read in Scripture, and what I came to was that God speaks in many different ways, not simply in scripture, but also in things like the feeling of peace or the feeling of conviction in your heart. That's the Holy Spirit. That God speaks through other believers. And you may have experienced this where someone has said something to you and you go, wow, that was exactly what I needed for this moment. That God sometimes speaks through common sense or through specific circumstances. Now, the non-Christian world would call that fate or luck or coincidence. I know some Christians who call it God-incidences. And I want to tell you that all of these are true ways that God can guide and direct us. 
and has guided and directed me in my life as well. And so those are really important ways for us. But I also want to tell you that sometimes, as I've been praying and as I've been seeking God's direction, I kind of feel like I've been bumbling in, around in the dark. And maybe I'm not the only one on that. But I want God's will. I want God's direction. And I'm testing things. I'm trying to discern where God is calling me to. But it kind of feels like I'm bumbling around in the dark. I mean, if my wife, Heather, wanted me to get milk after my day at work, she wanted me to pick up milk, she could hypothetically leave an empty carton of milk on my hood. She could have a friend ask me how much milk we have in the house. She could pack saltine crackers in my lunch and make me feel really thirsty. She could do all of these things, and if I was paying attention, I might get the hint that I need to pick up milk. But wouldn't it make a lot more sense for her to just call me up and say, hey, Brian, pick up milk on your way home? It does. Now, that is a human relationship, and it's a little different than our relationship with God. However, what if God wanted to speak to us directly, wanted to guide us in ways that we could be certain of and not have to bumble around in the dark? Over the next six weeks, we're going to kind of be unpacking whether this is possible and, and how we do that in different ways. Today, we're going to be focusing on the main point here for today, which is, does God speak today? Because I want us to kind of have a, have a clear theological framework and foundation to work on. Because if we, if we answer no, God doesn't speak today, then it doesn't matter all the different things and ways that we could maybe hear God, because he's not speaking to us, and so it's, it's wrong. So we're going to lay that foundation, and we need to lay that foundation because here at Chalmers, we are what I lovingly call, we are a mutt church. We have people from all different church backgrounds, non-church backgrounds, and so what you have learned at different churches, you have brought with you, and so I want to share a theology with you. You may completely disagree with it, and again, I want to say that's okay, but go back to Scripture. Even the Apostle Peter had to have his theology changed. So, we're going to look at that, and we're going to start with just this scripture that says, from Jesus, he's talking to his disciples, and he says this, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and, I, and they follow me. I want to suggest to you that we can hear God's voice, that God does want to speak to us. I actually want to start off with this belief, that God has already spoken to almost everyone here. We may not have thought that it was God. Answer these questions just in your head. When you made a decision to follow Christ, if that's a decision that you've made, what happened in you that made you think or feel like you needed to make that decision? How did you know that you needed to make that decision? And how could you tell that he came into your life? How about this one? Has there been a time where you've been reading the Bible and a Bible verse seems to be directly or particularly focused on a situation that you're dealing with? 
And it seems to just pop out at you. Have you ever been reading scripture when suddenly a thought comes to you and helps you to understand what you're reading? Have you ever heard a sermon and you thought that they were specifically talking to you? As some people say, have you been reading my emails? Have you ever felt a prompting, a nudge, or an urgency to do something or to not do something? Have you ever had a dream or a vision, heard an audible voice? If you have answered yes to any of these questions, then I want to suggest to you that that was God. I really want to tell you that as a pastor, I'm not that good. It's not me making the sermon speak right to you. That's God. My sheep hear my voice. It's not they will hear my voice. They already do. Today we're going to kind of unpack this idea of God speaking today. And we're going to start with this. That scripture, God's word, the Bible, cannot be understood without hearing from the Holy Spirit. That scripture cannot be understood without hearing from the Holy Spirit. Now, let me be a little bit more specific and clear about about a theology that I'm trying to counteract here. And the theology that I'm trying to counteract is a theology that, that many wonderful, lovely Christians out there hold, and it's called cessationism. And again, if you grew up in a church that was a cessationist church, and you probably wouldn't ever have heard even that word, but there is a movement out there that says that God doesn't speak, and God doesn't perform miracles, and God doesn't move in powerful ways today. They would focus on uh, a theology called the the supremacy of scripture, which is a very good and true uh, theology saying that what we have in the Bible is sufficient for direction and for life and for being able to understand the heart of God. We don't need any further writings. And so you don't have, have the Bible and Philip Yancey's books on the same weight. You don't have the Bible and Brian's sermons on the same weight. There's a different classification there. And that's absolutely true. The challenge with it is that it can get a little bit skewed from some Christians who would say, because the Bible is sufficient, not only does God not need to say anything more to us, but God won't say anything more to us because everything that we need to know ever in life is found in Scripture. And I have never gone to Scripture, and I've never found the book of Brian I've turned to the third chapter and figured out what I'm supposed to do specifically in my life. There are great principles in there. There are fantastic understandings of who God is and how we can relate to God. And certainly, and again, we're going to get to this at the end, certainly we can say in Scripture that Scripture is the boundary and Scripture is the filter in which we live and in which we hear God. But... Can God speak to us outside of Scripture? And can God speak to us? And more importantly, we need God to speak to us in order to understand Scripture. Now, sorry, that was a bit of a bunny trail. Where am I? 
So we need God to speak to us outside of Scripture in order for us to understand Scripture. Otherwise, we're left with a different belief, and the belief is that only those who are the most learned, the most educated, those with the best interpretation can understand Scripture properly. And so all of us, we need better Bible study tools, we need better education, we need better abilities to understand context, and all of those things are good and important. But there are some people who would say the only way to understand Scripture is to be better educated. And again, I don't see that in Jesus. He doesn't pick the best, most educated people to follow him. He picks the fishermen, the uneducated people to follow him. In fact, Scripture even says that the author of the Bible, the Holy Spirit, is the only reliable interpreter of, of the Bible. Let's, let's see this. First Peter 1 tells us that the Holy Spirit wrote through people Scripture. Starting kind of halfway through, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretations of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so when Paul wrote his letters, he may not have understood it at this point, but he was carried along by the Holy Spirit. What he wrote was inspired by the Holy Spirit. We see that in Scripture. Jesus says in John 14, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit comes to us partly to help us understand what Jesus said in Scripture. In fact, this is one of those things where in the Reformation period, one of the big things that Martin Luther was kind of pushing against was a, an idea or a, or a theology that you had to be the most learned people, and only the most learned people could understand Scripture, could interpret Scripture, could teach Scripture. And everyone else couldn't, so you shouldn't even try, therefore you shouldn't even own Bibles. Martin Luther and, and a bunch of other people kind of pushed against that, and that way you guys have Scripture that you can read for yourself in your own language. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. The Holy Spirit is all the education you need to understand Scripture. Again, doing more education isn't a bad thing. I have eight years of post-secondary education mostly focused on understanding Scripture, and that was good. I really hope it wasn't a waste of time. But the fact is that there are pastors and missionaries who have absolutely no education, who God has called to preach from the gospel His truth. And they have the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that is within me, to do that. God has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can understand Scripture. In God's wisdom, he actually designed it so that the kingdom truths can't be understood fully without divine assistance. God hides his truth from those who have absolutely no intent on obeying him. We see this in Luke 8. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, and though hearing they may not understand. In God's wisdom, he has hidden 
proper understanding from those who will not obey. And yet the Spirit reveals these things to those who humble themselves like little children. Again, let me just remind us, baby Jesus, Christmas time, we read about all these people who come to meet baby Jesus. None of the people that we see in our nativity scenes, none of the people who came and interacted with Jesus as an infant did so because of their understanding and wisdom. They all came because God sent them special revelation. Mary got an angel. Joseph got a dream. The shepherds got angels. The magi got a star in the sky. Simeon and Anna were prompted by the Holy Spirit to be at the temple. And the most striking absence at the manger scene are the Bible scholars of the day. They're not there. They missed out. Not only did they miss out on his birth, but they didn't understand who he was for his three years of public ministry. And so I want to tell you, we need the Holy Spirit to speak to us for us to understand Scripture. Let me take a moment here and just say, if you are someone who has said, I want to follow Christ in my life, I want to surrender my life to him, and I want him to be the one who is Lord of my life, then you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You've been given that gift as a child of God to be able to understand Scripture. It's not something that you have to ask for again. You've been given it so that you can understand God's Word. So we need the Holy Spirit, and as followers of Jesus, we've been given the Holy Spirit to speak to us for us to understand Scripture. The second thing I want to say today is this, that Scripture itself teaches us that God can and does actually speak to people outside of Scripture. Next few weeks, we're going to be probably focusing more on Scripture. We're going to be talking about how do we understand, how do we hear from God specifically and personally by reading Scripture. But today, I just want to help us to understand that there are other ways that God speaks to us outside of Scripture. And so if you are stranded on a deserted island and you forgot to pack your Bible, that you are not disconnected from God. You should have packed your Bible, but... You're not disconnected from God. And again, the Bible tells us this. In Acts chapter 2, Luke quotes an Old Testament prophecy found in Joel chapter 2. This is what he says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your men will dream dreams. This was fulfilled on Pentecost. Today is the day of Pentecost in your liturgical calendars. But on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. Now in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon certain individuals for certain times, for certain instances, for certain reasons. And so God would speak through the Holy Spirit to prophets, to kings, through leaders... Very rarely to common folk like you and I. But Joel says, one day, 
the Holy Spirit's going to come upon all. And this is what's going to happen. People are going to prophesy. People are going to see visions. People are going to dream dreams. It's going to be amazing. God's going to be able to speak to people personally in a specific way. This is what happened at Pentecost. Now, again, if you grew up in a cessationist type of a a church, then you might have heard teachings that would say that things like prophecy, things like visions, things like dreams, things like tongues, different things like wisdom, that these were good and true in the apostolic age. In other words, in Paul's days, you know, we see these miracles happening. We see these disciples speaking bold things, and it's amazing But they're no longer given or used by God to speak to his people because now we have the full canon of scripture. Before, all we had are letters here and and letters here and, and little bits of things here. But when the 66 books of scripture came together and formed what we have as the Bible, God stopped speaking in different ways to people because he could speak clearly through scripture. That's what cessationists would say. And to support this claim, they would look at a very specific scripture, at the love scripture that we see in weddings, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. It's one of those ones that is read uh, often at weddings. It actually has absolutely nothing to do about marriage. It actually has a lot to do about worship. But it says love a lot, and so we like it. And they would look at this part, almost at the end of that passage, which says, But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. And they would say, well, see, they're going to stop. They're going to cease. When the perfection comes, they're going to cease. It may have been true in the apostolic times, But when perfection comes, it's going to stop. And they would say, well, when perfection come? It's a good question. They would say, well, we have the perfect, full canon of scripture. That's perfection. And again, if, if that's what you believe, that is absolutely fine. But I want you to go back to scripture. I want us to go back to scripture. You can disagree with me as much as you want. No problem with that. You can have very different views to me. That is completely fine. I have no, no problem with that. I want you not to have different views with God. And so if God has said something clearly, we need to follow what God says, even if it goes against our theology, right? We need to let him change our theology if our theology needs to be changed. And if I find that at the end of this, that my theology needs to be changed, I will conform to what he says as well. Absolutely. So, why do we need to go back to Scripture? Well, because two verses later, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, Paul kind of explains what he's just said. He says, Now we see but a poor reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then... I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. This gives us the context for when perfection is. Okay? So when perfection comes, 
which he's saying isn't when he's writing. He's saying now we see but a poor reflection. Then in perfection, we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but when perfection comes, I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. Okay, going back to scripture. So Paul says, when perfection comes, we will see God face to face. Well, when will we see God face to face? I don't see God face to face right now. We will see God face to face at the second coming, when Jesus returns. That's when we will see God face to face. So I want to suggest to you that that's when perfection comes. Second of all, it says that I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. I don't know fully right now. Do you know why horrific, specific things happen to, to people? I don't have that information. God hasn't given me kind of an all-knowingness. But we will know. We may not care, but we will know when Jesus comes back and when we see him face to face, right? And so for me, when I read 1 Corinthians 13 and I say, yeah, absolutely. Paul, I agree with you. These things are going to stop when perfection comes. We're not going to need them anymore when perfection comes. Because when perfection comes, we're going to see God face to face. So we don't need to see visions or dreams. We're going to see God face to face. When's that going to happen? Well, I have the full canon of scripture right here, and it hasn't happened to me yet. These gifts, these, these ways that, that God speaks, are here until the second coming. If they are still here until the second coming and I want to suggest to you that they are, then that means that they are here for a reason. That God still uses dreams and visions, that God still uses words of knowledge and tongues, that God still uses prophecy to speak to us, specifically and intentionally. Now, for those of you who are starting to get a little bit uncomfortable, let me say something really, really important. Big caution right here. Ready? God will not contradict scripture. Again, pull out that Bible. God will not contradict scripture. What I'm telling you today is that God still speaks to us. In fact, God can still speak to you outside of scripture. But he will not not, 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 never, ever, ever contradict what he has said in here. God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't change his, his policies. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what we see in scripture is true for us. Another way of saying it is that the Bible is, are the boundaries of what God will say to us. Soccer season is starting for the little kids here in Concordon. Have you ever watched little kids play soccer? They all just chase after the ball. It's like a big clump, right? If I just threw out a soccer ball into the field over there and had the kids play with it, they might have fun for a while, but then someone would get hurt. They would start yelling. They would start getting upset with each other. Why? Because there are no boundary lines over there. 
a soccer field has these white boundary lines all around it, correct? When the ball stays in the boundary lines, you can have lots of fun scattering in humps, trying to get from one end to the other. But as soon as the ball gets kicked outside of the boundary, something's wrong and the game stops. The ball's out of the boundary line. The same is true with how God speaks to us. If you believe that God is saying something to you, but it contradicts scripture, <clears throat> wrong, you need to go back to scripture. Because scripture is the boundary lines. A different way of saying it is that scripture is the filter. Scripture is the filter for what we understand from God. Again, we're going to unpack this over the next couple uh, weeks. But scripture is the filter through which we interpret our lives. We look at our culture, we look at our world, we look at our lives through the lens of Scripture. We never get that reversed. If you get that reversed and you start trying to interpret Scripture through how we experience life, you're going to get really messed up. So we always use Scripture as the filter, as the understanding for what life is supposed to be like. For example, let let me just give you uh, an example. So if a young man asks God about marriage and he wants to marry his non-Christian girlfriend and he gets those ooey-gooey feelings inside of him. I just love her so much, God, so why is that? You know, it, it must be fine. The problem is that it contradicts Scripture. In the Old Testament, we see prohibitions against marrying people who aren't believers. In the New Testament, we see that as well. It's just one of those things that, that God kind of says, look, don't marry someone who's not a believer because that's going to be trouble for you. And so, even though he's got those ooey-gooey feelings, we got to say, okay, I'm going to submit my feelings to what God's word says. That's not God speaking those feelings. That's my feelings speaking to my feelings. And this is really important. God will never contradict what he says in Scripture. A few kind of closing thoughts here. First of all, if you're saying to yourself, okay, Brian, I understand that, but I haven't, other than those, those little examples that you kind of shared at the beginning, I'm not sure I've ever really heard God. I want to tell you that that doesn't mean that God doesn't speak. It just simply means that we haven't heard yet. And we, have, we need to learn to hear God's voice. In the same way that there are lots of sounds that animals hear that that we don't hear, it doesn't mean that they don't exist. It just means that our hearing isn't connected to be able to, to hear those things. And so we need to learn, how do we learn to hear God's voice? And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Hint, hint, it starts with scripture. So here's where we're going to get to just to wrap up today. First of all, if you're sitting there today and you say, okay, Brian, what you're saying sounds good to me. I want to hear God's voice in my life. I'm not sure I haven't before, but I want to be open to this. I'm seeing in Scripture that God can speak to me, and so I want to be hearing God's word. How do I do that? First and foremost, if you're here today and you haven't invited Jesus to be Lord of your life, that's step number one. Step number one is to invite Jesus to be Lord of your life, to submit your life to him and say, okay, God, 
I can't do this on my own. I don't want to just be the one. I don't want to be the one directing my life. I want you to be directing my life. So I submit my life to you. And I offer it to you. And in fact, if you want to do that right now, let's just take a second and pray. And we'll do that right now, and then we can move on. All right? Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to, and if if this is you, just pray this with me in, in your head. Heavenly Father, I submit my life to you because I've tried to live it on my own. And it's just gotten me into trouble. And I understand that you love me, that you died for me, that you offer me grace for the junk in my life, and that you can lead me and guide me. And so I submit my life to you. I invite you to come into my life as my Lord and Savior. And I understand from Scripture that you promised to send your Holy Spirit to me. So thank you for that Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' name, amen. It's not complicated. And if you prayed that prayer today, two things. First of all, just tell someone that you came with because they'd love to celebrate with you and and maybe help you with some of the next steps of of how that works. But second of all, I want to let you know right now that At this very moment, immediately, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And that Holy Spirit not only can help you to understand Scripture, but can allow God to speak to you in other ways as well. So that's number one. Submit yourself to God in that way. Second of all, if you want to hear from God, you need to be regularly, regularly reading His Word. Regularly reading His Word. Again, Scripture are the boundaries, is the filter for how we understand God speaking to us. It is actually very dangerous for you to try to listen for God and not know his word, not be in his word. Because there are lots of other voices out there. There is the Holy Spirit. There is the devil. He can speak to you as well. There is your own thoughts and your own ideas and, and what you want. There are the voices of other people in your life and what they want. There's media and there's indigestion. So, be in scripture regularly so that you can understand and know how God is going to speak to you and what God may be saying to you. And if you are not... If you are not in scripture regularly, if you don't have a regular devotional time like that, don't do this next part yet. Start going into scripture first. If you are in scripture regularly, then this is what I want to suggest to you for this week. We're going to be doing an exercise where we're going to be inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Next week we're going to be talking about how do we do that through scripture. But again, I wanted to start with the outside of scripture part so that you understand that God can speak to you when you're at the grocery store, or when you're at work, or when you're doing other things. And so, in your message notes, you got a a white piece of paper that says, Simple Questions to Ask God. At the front door, there's a box that has little journals. If you have your own journal, don't worry, use your own journal. If you don't have a journal... Grab a journal. They're free. They're for you. They're for this. I admitted a while back that I hate journaling. 
This is not a discipline that comes easy for me, but I do see the value of it now, and so I've been trying to be journaling more often. I'm going to invite you this week to write out your prayers to God. To write out your prayers to God. Just as you're praying, to write them out. And in your prayer time, to ask God a question. Just a simple question. And I've given you some questions that you can ask. A question like, God, what do you like about me? And yes, I understand that that sounds like a grade four question, but it's amazing how many people have never asked God that. Because they're not sure that God actually does like them. And I want to tell you from Scripture that God loves you. He died for you. So, of course, he's going to tell you something that he likes about you. God, what do you see when you look at me? God, is there a sin that you want me to confess? God, how do I meet with you? When should I meet with you? God, is there anything that's keeping me from fully surrendering to you? God, what do you want me to pray for myself today? What do you want me to pray for my wife, for my husband, for my marriage? What do you want me to pray for my family? And then what I want you to do is I want you to just to sit there with your pencil, with your pen, and whatever comes to your mind, write it down. We'll filter it later, but write it down. And then once you've written it down, then you can say, I wonder if this is from God. And you go back to your filter and you say, does this compute with what God says? You may think that it's from yourself. You may not be sure. But I want you to just try this. I want to give you an example. I know I'm running out of time, but let me just give you a quick example. It's a hilarious example. So uh, I was trying this. I was actually teaching some people here at the church how to do this. And so I wrote down, God, how do you see me right now? And then I I was silent and with with my pencil. God often speaks to me in images. And I saw a waddling bird, like a, kind of like a duck, a waddling duck. And I wrote down waddling duck, question mark. And I thought, oh, my brain's just like out there. I'm having a hard time with this. And so I said, no, God, how do you see me? And again, I, I paused for a second. And I saw this plane that was kind of like dive bombing and it was a little bit on fire. And I wrote that down. And I, I, I then said, God, I'm not sure this is from you. <laughs> what do you want to say to me? And because I've been in scripture, because I know scripture, he brought to my mind a scripture. And so I looked it up and it was from Isaiah 40. And it, it was this part. It says, it was a time that I was, you know, I was tired. It had been a busy ministry season. And I said, and, and so he put this scripture in my mind. He said, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And I was like, oh, okay, good. So I, I found that in, in Isaiah 40. I knew it was somewhere there. And so I, I found that and I read that. And then I kept reading. And this is what it says next. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And I felt like God was saying to me through that, Brian, I've made you for a purpose. I've made you to fly. 
and you're waddling right now. He said, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And I both started to laugh and cry at the same time. Because what I thought was absolutely ridiculous, just like images from my own mind, turned out that it was actually God. He wanted to say something specific to me and confirm it through scripture. And say, Brian, I've made you for a purpose. I want you to fly. And I thanked him for that. That was a while back, and, and I've been doing this type of prayer on a fairly regular basis. I want to just invite you to, to try it, to see if this may not be something that works for you, might not be something that you're interested in. But anything that's worth learning is worth practicing, right? My son just learned to ride his bike. It took a lot of practice. But now... He rode all the way to the ice cream shack. No training wheels. Anything that's worth learning is worth practicing. And friends, I, wanted, I truly believe that being able to hear from God, being able to have a deeper relationship with God, that's worth learning, that's worth knowing, that's worth doing. And if it's worth it, it's worth that awkwardness of practicing, too. So I want to encourage you to that. Come on out this Wednesday evening. If you have some questions or, or thoughts on this, or if you want to try some of this stuff with other people, that's a great opportunity for that. Let's close in prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for today. Lord, thank you that your word tells us that you want a relationship with us, that you want to be so close to us that you want to speak to us. Most of us aren't so comfortable with that. We like the idea that you died for our sins. We like the idea that you help us when we're in, in real binds in our life. But if we're really honest with ourselves, we're not sure how much we want to just let you into the everyday life. And yet you love us And you want to be in every part of our lives. And our lives will be so much better when we let you into every part of our lives. And so, Father, help us with that. We invite you to speak to us this week in whatever way you choose to confirm it in Scripture, to help us to know your love in a new way. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.